It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Except you're not with Boyd Matheson today. You're here with me, Leah Murray, and my good friend Marty Carpenter as we chat about all things inside sources. I got to good friend status. That was great. Yeah, yeah definitely. Nice. Right. And then for no other reason that I have a huge smile on my face whenever <laughs> we talk. So that means you have to be in the good friend That's right. circle, right? We'll take it. So joining us with the latest updates on the story we've been talking about, continuing our conversation about Brittany Griner's release from a Russian prison, we've got M. Wynn, who is an ABC News correspondent from Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, M. Thanks so much. Good to be here. So can you give us an update on Brittany Griner? Do we know? Is she already back? When she's coming back? Can you just bring us all up to speed? Right. So she's right now on an aircraft heading to the United States. The last we heard was a, a, a reporter asking her how she is. She's doing good. Uh, the president said she was in good spirits. He said she would be here in the U.S. at least within the next 24 hours. So, yes. She has been freed in a prisoner swamp with the U.S. and Russia, um, of course, now in custody of U.S. officials. So I'm sure she's feeling pretty good. Her family is feeling really, really good as well. Uh, they did come to the White House uh, today with President Biden. He delivered remarks this morning saying that she is safe. Uh, sources apparently saying that he signed off on this swap last week. Um, and another note that's that's interesting is that the president sent a very stark warning urging any Americans that are going to be traveling outside of the country, particularly to those of adversary countries like Russia and North Korea, to check with U.S. government travel advisories uh, to make sure you're doing the right thing because you don't want to be caught up being a bargaining chip in a future negotiation. But uh, we did hear from Griner's wife, uh, Cheryl. She says, today my family is whole, but she made a big point that there are others in Russia that are not with their families. And of course, uh, the main person is the former Marine, Paul Whelan, who is not a part of this negotiation. Uh, the White House did make it very clear, though, that they did make an offer in July for Greiner and Whelan to be a part of this exchange for, for Victor Boot, but was denied. Um, he, the White House saying that Russia, uh, for, for, for cases of espionage, uh, treat those types of negotiations very differently. Um, so certainly uh, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. But the, the family of Paul Whelan is, is starting to lose hope, uh, they say, but they're, they're hoping um, that there's still more to see. Em, does the Biden administration believe that this is the best trade possible? Did they get the deal that they wanted here? Yes. So we, uh, as reporters, were asking the White House about this specific swap. Was there more that they asked for? Things like that. They said they, of course, couldn't go into all the negotiations, but this is exactly what they had expected. Now, the sentiment here, which we've heard from uh, certainly backlash from Republicans saying that uh, on one hand, they didn't include Whelan in the swap, which again, uh, the White House made it clear it was either Griner coming home or no one, but that uh, that it wasn't a fair trade. There was a Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican in Arkansas, who said that the release of Ms. Greiner, quote, shouldn't have come at the cost of releasing one of the world's worst arms dealers. And that's certainly uh, a big fallout uh, in this negotiation, is that uh, Victor Boot is someone accused of feeling some of the worst conflicts. He's 
accused of supplying anti-aircraft missiles. He's accused of aiding terrorist organizations. And of course, he was caught in 2008 after nearly a decades-long hunt by the U.S. But pundits say that they believe after he has spent about 14 years in jail, he is no longer a threat. The sentiment there is that his value as a potential intelligence asset to Russia is over. So the U.S. is happy about this trade, of course. They're happy that an American is coming home. So can you tell us what is Russia saying about this? And I may imagine I'm a little suspicious always of what Russia says, but what is their kind of reaction to the trade? What are they talking about? Well, right after Victor Boot was uh, taken in in 2008, uh, Russian authorities had tried to begin the negotiations to bring him back. And so certainly he's someone important to Russia. Uh, I'm sure that they are also celebrating his return. Um, And uh, it seems as if this is a trade that so far both uh, sides, of course, had gone through many negotiations uh, to get to this point. Uh, they seem uh, happy that it's a one-to-one trade. Of course, the U.S. did ask for Reelan and Greiner uh, to be brought back here to, uh, to the United States in return for Victor Boot, but uh, Russia did get the one-to-one, so I'm sure they're, they're pretty happy about that. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. And how do these negotiations typically work? How much insight do you have into the way these start, the way they progress, how they finally come to a deal? So negotiations usually last for quite some time. There's a whole process of risk assessment to make sure that this is the right swap to make. Actually, reporters were asking about what kind of risk assessment that the White House did uh, before and now after Boot is being released. Uh, And the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, said that the U.S. is always staying vigilant on national security, that they make these decisions after a long period of time, and that President Biden didn't make this decision lightly. Um, And so certainly there's a lot to go into this. Another point to, to think about, though, is the timing, right? I mean, negotiations go on for months, maybe even years. Uh, especially since Whelan has been in prison for just about four years now. So certainly this conversation goes on for quite some time before there's an actual agreement. But a big question about the timing, whether or not it's good for Russia, whether or not it's good for the U.S., for Russia, I mean, it's clear that they wanted Victor back from the very start since his capture. It's also possible that maybe Moscow felt after months of negotiation that Greiner's value as a negotiating tool to President Putin was starting to diminish, especially since she was kind of leaving the media stream. Uh, She was really big when she was first captured in, in February. Um, or should I say uh, detained in February. Uh, So maybe he felt like he had to move forward with the swap. Now, timing is also very important here, too, because President Putin is also under a lot of pressure, uh, having a hard time with with many losses in the war with Ukraine, right? So he certainly wants to move forward with possible negotiations about easing sanctions that have hit their economy so hard. Uh, But maybe he felt, and pundits are saying, maybe he felt as if he couldn't move forward with international negotiations if he still had this domestic issue hanging over the two countries. So that could also be a part of that uh, decision from from Putin. Yeah, and I just wanted to push on that a little bit because I just 
in the context of this whole thing, not for Paul Whelan, because he'd been in for four years, but the Brittany Griner, the whole thing is the war in Ukraine. And I'm just wondering, right, to what extent, like you just said, the losses in Ukraine may be causing Putin to do different things. But I'm wondering if that's part of it. Is Paul Whelan now a leverage or a negotiating chip? I hate to say that about a human, right? Um, In some of those negotiations around sanctions around the war in Ukraine. I mean, it certainly could be possible. And that's some of the reaction we're getting from Republicans as well, is the big question of setting a dangerous precedent. I mean, Greiner, nine nine months in prison, but generally came back to the U.S. sooner than others, right? So some Republicans are asking whether or not this is setting up a, a moment in which Russia could be encouraging either Russia or other countries to, to use more Americans as hard to say, bargaining chips, uh, keeping them hostage in the future. So it's hard to say what will happen because Putin is very uh, unpredictable. Um, but certainly on one hand, it, there's so many people who are celebrating Greiner's uh, return. On the other, many questioning what this means for Putin's next move. M. Wynn is an ABC News correspondent in Washington, D.C. M. thanks for taking some time and getting us all caught up on this story. Thanks so much. I mean, I think, like Marty, the most important thing I heard of that whole thing was if you travel to another country. So I went to Montreal, which is in Canada, right, (laughs) Um, in September, and the rules, right? Like you were subject if you went there to a random COVID test, and if you were positive, you were going to be locked up, you know, somewhere at your own expense for two weeks. So you kind of had to know, right? And so what I what I hear the president saying is, if you are traveling somewhere, and Canada is a lovely place to travel, but like if you're going to Russia. You should call us first and figure out what the rules are before, like, the world is not really that open, right? We should not be traveling certain places. Yeah, you got to be careful. And I think I think that's really the tough part about this is here you have someone who, as we've mentioned, went to a foreign country, did something that violated their law to whatever extent. And now we went and kind of moved heaven and earth to bring her back. But I guess what I'm hearing the president saying is don't expect the same treatment. If you go. Right. And I think that's a really tough one to swallow is, hey, average American, um, you know, I hope if you plan on breaking the law that you are at least play in uh, the WNBA. Right. Or, you know, have some type of minor to mid-level celebrity status. Right. All right. So coming up, let's chat about budgeting. Another branch of our government really good at its job. Um, It's got a week (laughs) to pass its end of year spending package. We'll chat about it after the break. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.